do if you need to walk in the spirit. And then we look at it from the book of Romans uh, chapter 8 and then we said that number one, you must count yourself dead to sin. Number two, you must not allow sin to reign in your mortal body. Number three, as a child of God, uh, you must not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. And then number four, you must expose the works of darkness. You don't have to fellowship with them. Now this evening, I want to continue. We'll be looking at the works of the flesh. And we'll take them one by one and explain what it means. How do we know somebody is walking in the flesh? Somebody is carnal. Every tree is known by his fruit. Some of the trees, they resemble themselves. So you cannot tell the difference at a go. But then it is the fruit that differentiates them. An evil tree cannot bear forth good fruit, so a good tree cannot bear forth an evil fruit. So it is the fruit that the tree bears that determines what type of tree it is. In the same way, the kind of life that a Christian lives determines his state, whether it's a carnal Christian or is a spiritual Christian. So we look at Galatians, and I want us to turn our Bible to Galatians chapter 5, from verse 19 to verse 21. Now, if you want to know the fruit of the Spirit, we look at that one, we will look at that one from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23, but we are not looking at that tonight. We want to look at the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, is the fruit, they are the fruits of the carnal man, the man that walks in the flesh. Now, when we say carnal person, a carnal man is a fleshly man or a self-centered person. A self-centered person. Somebody who has no value for the will of God. All that he does is about himself. Want to please himself. He doesn't even have, want to check whether what I'm going to do will please God, what I'm going to say will please God. If he want to marry, just assess the person based on this is what I want. He marries the person. He doesn't care. He doesn't put into consideration whether God is pleased. No. If he want to get a job, he look at the job. He say, how much are they paying? He may say, oh, I like it. He doesn't even pray about it. You know, this is self-centered man. He's the person the Bible referred to as a carnal believer. He's not a godly person. A spiritual person is concerned about the will of God. He would never say anything without considering whether this is God's will. Will it please God? He would never go anywhere without finding out, will it please God? He would not even marry anybody without praying, spending time and say, Lord, I am your servant. I want to be in your will. Is this your will? So those that are led by the Spirit, they are concerned about the will of God in everything they do. The carnal man have no business about the will of God. But remember Jesus said, not everybody who called me Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. So the will of God is one of the qualifications to enter heaven. The will of God. And it is the most safest place in life. There's no safe place in life except the will of God. And so today I want us to look at the manifestation of the flesh or the fruits 
of the flesh. All the works of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 6, chapter 5, sorry, verse 19 to 21. Now the Bible says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. So in other words, those who are working in the flesh, they exhibit these fruits. They exhibit. These are not hidden fruits. Just as the plant, mango tree, eh, exhibit the mango fruits. The purple tree exhibit the purple fruits. In fact, when you see the mango tree that is mature, you see the fruits. You see the purple tree, you see the fruits. It is the fruit that tells you what type of tree it is. And so, it is not even your suit, but it is your fruit. Amen? It is not your gift, it is your fruit. Spiritual maturity is not determined by one's gift. It is determined by one's fruit. Because a tree is known by its fruit, whether it is mature or not. An immature tree doesn't bear fruit. So it is a fruit that determines the maturity of the tree. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are this. Idolatry. Now I want you to take notice of this. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Move it on to 21. Envies. Hmm. Envies. Now, he didn't use one word. We haven't gone there. No, go to 19, verse 19. Envies. Murders. Now, okay. Let me start it all over again. Amen. From verse 19. Now, the fruit, the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are this. Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry you see now witchcraft so witchcraft is a work of the flesh can you imagine that the way you heal witches is a work of the flesh it's just like fornication hatred so when you hate people you are a witch you are, you are in the category of a witch this is a category variance emulations wrath strife those who fight the same category of witchcraft. Can you imagine that? Seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before. Now, this is what, the reason why you must take these teachings very, very seriously. Now, look what he say. Of which I, of which I have told you before. Oh, he said, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. One of the pastors came to my house and I decided to tell him something. He was shocked. I said, do you know what is sin? When God says you should not fornicate, then you say, okay, fornication is sin. So I will not fornicate. 
But then, you worry. And I said, do you know that it is the same sin, worry, and fornication? He said, wow. I said, listen to me. The same God who said, you should not commit adultery, is the same God who said, be careful for nothing. Do not take thought. So what is sin? Sin is not whether something is big or small. Sin is transgression of God's law. God said, don't do it. Whether it is small or big, God said, don't do it. Whatever God said, don't do, and you do, is sin. It is human beings that put categories and says that this is big, this is small. But with God, this will be. Look at what, look at the sin that Adam committed. Adam and Eve. Don't eat the fruit. Don't eat the fruit from this tree. And then he ate it. So what is it? Disobedience. And that disobedience, if it is in this modern time, we say common disobedience. That common disobedience deprived him of everything that God purposed for his life. To the extent that he was driven away from the garden. Okay, for example, let's come to Satan. An archangel who, who lives in the presence of God. Now, when you, you look at Satan, the description that God gave him when he was Lucifer, he was the most beautiful angel. He was the most let me use the word handsome. Okay, I think the word beautiful we brought. Now, in him was organ, was all the musical instruments you can think of. He was made with different kinds of minerals. He sparkles. You see, when you see the Satan, before he became Satan, was the, one of the beautiful archangels in heaven. If not the most. And he was the only one who can get closer to God. He walks in the flames, in God's presence. What brought him down? He didn't fornicate. Hello? He didn't commit adultery. He didn't commit murder. What did he do? Pride. Now, in this morning time, do we value pride at all? You say, oh, this is nothing. They're common pride. We don't even notice it. <laughs> we don't even know. To us, it is the smallest of all sins. Meanwhile, it is what brought it Lucifer down. So to God, it is not whether it is big or small. The question is, did God say you shouldn't do it? If God said don't do it, don't do it. When you do it, it's sin. Now, so you look at the categories that God even put witchcraft. The witchcraft was even the category of sorcery. I mean, uh, strife was in the category of sorcery. Those who fight, they are compared to, uh, they are in the same category with those who practice uh, magic, occultism. That means the same punishment for all of them. The Bible says, those who do this, it said, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I know people, Christians, when they read this, some of them say, oh, I don't care, I don't believe it is true. I don't know what they are thinking. 
the one who is going to judge yourself? The one who is going to judge you has at line put down these requirements. And you are saying you don't believe that God cannot do it. Meanwhile, Jesus said, not an item of his word will pass. So you are not, you are not afraid. That is the reason why a believer must read. Read the Bible. Because if you don't read the Bible, you will not even know what is the will of God. The will of God is determined by his word. You can, there's no way you can know God's will except to read his word. So his will is revealed in his word. And that is why Christians must read the Bible. You read the Bible so you will know the will of God. And then you also have knowledge about your inheritance in God. Now let me take my time to take you through this outline of sin. One after the other. The first sin that was mentioned is adultery. 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 What is adultery? Adultery is different from fornication. It mentions adultery and then the second was fornication. Adultery is a man who sleeps with a married woman or vice versa. You are married and you sleep with somebody who is not married or another person's wife or husband. Now the reason why adultery is serious is because it has to do with covenants. That is what makes it frightening. Because you see, when you come to the altar and you make vows and out of the vows we are joined together as husbands and wives, remember vows are sacred things. Holy. That's what I call it. Soli what? Eh? What? Solemnly. What? Solemnly. What? Say it. Let me say. Solemnly. Solemnization. Solemnization. Hello. All holy matrimony. Is that one simple? Holy. Very solemn. The word solemn simply means sacred or sacred. Holy. Now, what makes it holy is the presence of God in it. The vow you make before God are holy because God is present in the vow. And any vow that you toil with becomes so dangerous. So the reason why adultery is more, much more dangerous than fornication is because it has to do with vows. The breaking of vows. Now the accounts will say, Aware say so immediately, it, it, what it means is that if you are married and then you sleep with somebody else who is not your husband or who is not your wife, you have destroyed the marriage. Spiritually, you break the vow. Very dangerous. There is no excuse that will, that will compensate. There is nothing that you can say and that's the reason why if you're a married person, you must be very careful. And that's the reason why we wear rings. 
to remind you of the covenant. That is the reason for the ring. Ring is a visible eh, manifestation of what has been done spiritual. So that when you see the ring, it should remind you. The ring protects you from going overboard. If you are being tempted to do something foolish, you look at the ring. The physical manifestation of your vow. That's why they put ring on your fingers. Now, I want to spend time to talk a little bit about adultery. Adultery. Because people are commonizing it. But yet the most dangerous. Now, in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. Let's look what the Bible says. Marriage is honorable in all. It means that in all divine institutions and human institutions, marriage is the most honorable. You see what? Look at the pedestal. Look at where God has put it. The most honorable among all. All the institutions. Then he said, but one more guess. Who are warmongers? A war is what? A prostitute. A prostitute. An adulteress, God will judge. Hmm. So you have a husband and you have a wife. So you have, you, you are, you, you, sorry, you have a husband and you have a, a boyfriend. Eh? And then you have a wife and you have a side chick. You have a side chick who call a big man babe. Babe. And that has entered into your head because you have your head. <laughs> you have gray hair. And they are calling you babe. Nothing, nothing prompts you. They are, they are deceiving you to kill you. Hello? <laughs> now listen very carefully. God will judge them. Every adulterer will be judged. You say, oh pastor, I don't believe. Well, the duty of a pastor is to tell you the truth. We don't follow you to see whether you are doing it or not. That's not my duty. My duty is to tell you the truth. To wake you up. And it's your duty to obey. So me, I don't follow people. Once I tell you the truth, that I finish. Occasionally I will remind you. But I don't follow you. To, do whether, to see whether you are doing it or not. That's my business. Now people come and tell me so many things about people. I say, hey, if the word of God I preach to them cannot change them, my words cannot change them. That's my duty. There's a day of, a, of, of judgment. There's a day of accountability. And everybody will be judged. So, if you have a pastor who tells you the truth, you should love him and be praying for him. God will judge warmongers and adulteresses. How dangerous is adultery? Men. 
Now let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. I want to show you something. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 2, 18 and 19. For her house inclined unto death and her path unto the dead. It means that those who are walking on the path of adultery, they are on the path of death. The house of the adulter, adulterer ad, eh, is at the cemetery. It's at the cemetery. Now, give me the message. Let me see how the message will put it. Uh, or a living translation. What that message? Or look at look at how he put it. For he said, her whole way of life is doomed. Every step she takes brings her closer to hell. Give me new new living translation. Entry her house leads to death. Once you go to your girlfriend's house, you are in the cemetery. It is the road to the grave. How many believers know this? We make fun of them. You see young ladies, because of nine shoes, nine back, you are chasing somebody else's husband. Somebody, somebody who have come to the altar and make vow with his wife, you know that he's legally married. But because of greediness and covetousness, men going to the house of an adulteress is on. You are on your path to the cemetery. Nowadays, messages like this are no more in the church. But it's the truth. Now look at verse 19. Okay, so verse 19. Unto her, her none that go unto her return again. <laughs> Neither take they hold of the path of life. Once you sleep with adulterer, adulteress, you cannot be whole. You may not die physically at once, but immediately you start dying spiritually. You cannot return the same. Hello? Be careful. Run away from married men and married women. Run away from them. Run away. Run away from them. No matter the incentive. Car. House. Sugar daddy. Run away. It's a matter of life and death. 
Don't say you don't know. I have told you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, look at what the Bible says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want us to look at verse 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulteresses nor effeminates, nor what? Abusers of themselves with my kind. So he's talking about uh, prostitutes, male prostitutes, uh, homosexuals and things. These are in the category of the unrighteous. And the Bible said they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So when you choose to be an adulterer or adulteress, or a fornicator, or adulator, you should know what you are bargaining for. It's a decision you are making to exempt yourself from the kingdom of God. It means that you are signing yourself out of the rapture. That's what it means. You are signing out. Is that what you say? Sign off. Is it out? Signing out. Eh? Okay. That's uh, dig uh, digital language. Mm. You are signing out. Nobody forces you. You is a choice. Am I right? Signing out is always a choice. After you have gone through your net, internet, eh? now you choose when you should go out. You are signing out. So you can't blame God. He didn't force you to sign out. You have, you have been brought in, but you can sign out. The whole Proverbs chapter 5 is a book that tells you how to be careful about the strange world. One of the names that God gave to adulter, or, or sorry, adulteress, is strange woman. It means it's not normal. Strange woman. I'm yet to see strange men. Okay? But strange women. Now, the whole book of, uh, from, living, let's go there, Proverbs chapter 5. The whole book of Proverbs chapter 5 is a warning to keep away from strange women. He said, my son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thy ears to my understanding. Say, my son, I'm advising you. Now look what he said. He said, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. <laughs> be, be careful. <laughs> You see, that's what I'm talking about. Babe. Ah, the way they even do it. Eh? That's what the Bible is referring to. He said, but the lips of a strange woman drops as honeycomb. Hmm? Put the helm on your head. 
And then he said, and her mouth, go back, her mouth is smoother than, horn, than what? Oil. Smooth mouth. Now, God, he said, but her end is what? Bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Boom! Kill you. She'll kill you. By the time you move out of her, your anointing is gone. Your gift things are gone. I mean, many things are gone. Spiritually, they are gone. Her feet go down to death. So you see death again. Her steps take hold of hell. Hmm. So be afraid of prostitutes. They look at the Bible said, move it on. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Now you can go and continue in the house. The whole scripture talks about the strange woman. Amen. So, the first fruit of, of the flesh that the Bible outlined in Galatians 5, verse 19, is adultery. God will judge adultery. He will judge adulteresses. Amen. Then the second thing that we read here is fornication. Now, the difference between fornication and adultery is that with the, sorry, yes, adultery, the main thing there is covenant. It's covenant. It's based on vows. So, when you are breaking it, you are breaking vows. So, you are, you are face to face in confrontation with God because he was present at the day of the vow. That is dangerous. Sleeping with somebody's wife, somebody's husband, is the most dangerous thing you can do. Hmm. You know, Abraham went somewhere and uh, he lied and he said his wife was his sister. And the king had wanted to sleep with her. And then in the night, God appeared to him and said, you are a dead man. You, you are a dead man. The man ran away. He got up in the morning and he came to her and said, why do you deceive me? God told him, you are a dead man. You touch this woman, you are a dead man. Amen. You touch somebody's wife, who are you? A dead man. No, never forget that a prostitute's wife, a house, is always in the cemetery. The day you decide to visit her, you must know where you are going. Sometimes you may not return again. Amen. Now, fornication is having sexual intercourse with somebody you have not married or sexual intercourse out of wedlock. So, both of you are not, have not, you are not married and you are sleeping. Look, don't deceive yourself. 
Because God's word is God's word. Now, maybe you have two weeks to get married. Once you are not married, you are not married. You are not married. The fact that you've known yourself for 12 years, you'll be working together as friends, it doesn't change anything. You are not married. You can have 10 children with a woman and yet you are not married. She's not your wife. God believes in order. So, when a man deceives you and sleeps with you, so I'll marry you. You fornicated. He has not married you. And the Bible says those who do that, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. So fornication too is another serious um, sin. Very, very serious sin. And normally it is the youth that falls victim to this particular sin. The youth don't fall too much victim with the marriage with adultery. It is the, somehow the middle age and the elderly and a small percent of the youth. But when it comes to fornication, it's the terrain of the youth. Bible call it youthful lust. Flee. See, run. Now, if you use the word run, it says flee. Flee means suspension, suspending between the earth and heaven. It means your foot is not touching the ground. You are flying. It says flee fornication. Hmm. The highest form of speed. When you visit at the opposite end, they start telling you things that you know. Hmm? You take your back. The nearest door, you are off. Hey, you don't, tongues will not save you. Hello, I bind you, I lose you, doesn't work there. If that works, God will have tell, told you, bind. He said, flee. Free. A Christian brother, and yet he started talking nonsense. Free. Run away. And I'll show you why you need to run away from fornication. That's the work of the flesh. Now, turn your Bible with me. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? Okay. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Okay. Sean profane and vain babbling. Okay. I'll come back to this scripture. I'll come back to this scripture. Let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Now, Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 tells us where fornication comes from. Fornication is a product of the heart. 
It starts from the heart. Nobody fornicates by accident. It's a product of the heart. He said, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication. So where does fornication originate from? The heart. Out of the heart. Thefts, false witness, blasphemies, all of them originates from the heart. When somebody falls into the sin of fornication and he says it's a, it's, a, it's a temptation, it's an accident. I look at that and say, if it takes time to remove your pants, hello, how can that be term accident? How many minutes? It takes time. If a rape case is a different thing we are talking about. It can never be accident. It comes from the heart. You need to ponder over it. It must be cooked before it is served. And the heart is the kitchen. Where you cook fornication, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, and thefts. Even stealing is from the heart. Amen. But then look at why you must take fornication serious. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. Now look what the Bible says. Flee fornication. First Corinthians 6 18. Flee fornications. Every sin that a man does or doeth is without the body. You see now, every sin that you commit is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. So fornication has the ability to affect your body. If you sleep with somebody who is affected with some STD, are you not going to get it? So what are you doing to your body? You are sinning against your body. Now, number two, why you must be careful, verse 19 and 20. What? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You are not your own. When you become born again, Christ owns you. You are not your own. So, I used to be my own when I was in the world. I didn't know Jesus. Now, I've been bought with a price. So, I do not own myself anymore. I can't use this body to do what I please because it doesn't belong to me anymore. Now, look at what the Bible says. Continue. For ye are bought, you see now, with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit are God's. So, what do you do? Glorify God with your body. The Father God give you nice body. It's not an incentive for sin. Some of you, you are blessed with nice body shape. Glorify God. Let the unbeliever who, whose body shape is not up to your own, who is living in sin, when he sees your own, serving God will say, wow, 
if with this body you can serve God, then I better run and look for your God. That is how you glorify God. You don't mess up with your body because it is not your own. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That is fornication. Well, our time not permit me to go into that into details. But let's move to the next. The next was uncleanness. Uncleanness. Go back to our scripture in Galatians chapter 5 so that we can know whether we are that is number 3. Verse 19. Galatians chapter 5. It said what? The works of the flesh are manifest which are these. Adultery, fornication and what? Uncleanness. What is uncleanness? What is uncleanness? Uncleanness simply means moral impurity or impure. Moral impurity. It means Something that is defiled. That which is defiled. Anything that is not fit for divine use. Okay. Now, what brings about uncleanness? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. Ephesians 5, 5. For this he know, that no warmonger, nor unclean person. You see again, no warmonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, had any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of his God. So unclean person, who is he? Jesus told us something in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 11. Now, what did Jesus say? How did unclean begins? Now, he said, whatever goes into a man does not make him unclean. But rather, whatever comes out of him. Is that what Jesus said? But, no, verse 11. Matthew, chapter 15, verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defiles a man, but that which come out of the mouth, this defileth a man. So the first stage of uncleanness happens when we say things that we are not supposed to say. That is the reason why you must be very careful with your mouth. Things that you say now, the scripture I wanted us to read before that I asked you to hold on. We'll be reading that. Things that you, don't, you, you are not supposed to say. So that's why you must be very careful. You must put a watch on your mouth. The things that you say with your mouth is what makes you unclean. That's what Jesus said. He said, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, 
But that which come out of the mouth, this defileth the man. So what makes you unclean is the worst, unguarded words that comes out of our mouth. That we allow to escape out of our mouth. Once it comes out of your mouth, it defiles the whole body. Be careful. And some of the things, we call them... Um, turn your Bible with me. Let's look at it. Second, Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse 11. Then we'll go to First Timothy, chapter 6, verse 20. Second Timothy, chapter... Yes. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse 16, sorry. 2.16. Second Timothy 2.16. But shun profane. You see now? Shun profane. Why did the Bible say shun profane? Avoid it. Profane are unwholesome words. Vulgar words. Words that are not wholesome. There are some parts of this country, you go there, uh, you, that from morning to evening, all that you'll be hearing is profane. Run away from that place. Some profane. Don't say it. Don't allow certain words. Because once they come out of your mouth, they defile you. Some profane and vain babblings. Empty words. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. They will increase unto more ungodliness. When you get angry, be careful what you say. Normally, it is anger that releases the poisons from within us. You must be led by the Spirit. That is why if you are angry, don't talk. Because you may not be able to control what will escape from your mouth. Look, you cannot just do anything. When you become born again, you cannot just do anything like the unbeliever. Unbelievers have no God. They have no Lord. They have no God. Our God is not their God. So, they are not under any lordship. Jesus is not their Lord. But you are different. You can behave like them. So, guard your words. When you are hungry, and you are being tempted to say things. Leave the place. Because some of the things you say, you can't take it back. It defiles you. You may not be fit for divine use if you make yourself unclean. Amen. So, profane, profanity makes you unclean. Then, uncleanness also, uh, is also, uh, it manifests itself in many ways. Uh, speaking against dignities. Speaking against dignities. When you speak against somebody in authority, you make yourself unclean. You are defiled. According to Jude, those who speak against authority, they are also defiled. So when you become, uh, uh, you start speaking against authority, you are defiled. That is Jude 
1 8. Let's look at Jude. Jude is only one chapter, so we say Jude 8. Now, Jude 8, the book of Jude, it said, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, you see now, what do they do? They defile the flesh. Why? Because they despise what? Dominion, and they speak evil of what? Dignitaries. Because they despise dominion and they speak evil of dignitaries, the Bible says what? They defile themselves, the flesh. They become unclean by what you say. When somebody is higher than you, you don't speak against them. Once you speak against them spiritually, you defile yourself. Uncleanness. Amen. Are you learning something tonight? Are you sure? Well, our time is fast spent. So, I'll just go to number four and then we'll close from number four. Then number four, number four, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. Have you seen it over there? What is lasciviousness? Lasciviousness is simply uncontrolled lust. Uncontrolled lust. That addiction. Uncontrolled lust. And this uncontrolled lust, mostly, sometimes, it manifests itself within our looks. <laughs> Some of you, you can look at women now until we fall into the gutter. That is the way, that's the only way you know that <laughs> you are messing up. I was watching uh, whatever. Somebody was just looking at a woman, a certain, a certain woman, you know, a girl who had dressed somehow. Looking at, look, the next time you notice he was in the gutter. And everybody was watching because everybody knew what brought him to the gutter. Everybody was watching him. He got out from the car and he started looking at the woman and looking, looking, looking. And he was going. He didn't know there was a gutter there. But bam, he was inside. Addiction. Your eyes. No wonder uh, Job said he has made a covenant with his eyes. I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not behold a woman. Amen. So it manifests in our looks. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. We express it in the looks. Amen. Lasciviousness. Uncontrolled lust. Lust that you cannot control. And the Bible said those who do these things, they will not inherit the kingdom. You, 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 some, some of us, we are addicted to pornography. We watch blue friends. No? Uh, I mean, it excites us. Something that excites your passion, that is, you're addicted to. You know? Blue friends. And uh, we do this secretly. We think we are alone and we are not harming anybody. You know? But if God has called you as a prophet, this is the eyes you used to see, isn't it? Now, if you use these same eyes to be watching pornography, which eye do you want God to show you? Which of the eyes? If you polluted this one. Say, Lord, I, I, use me. Lord, give me the prophetic ministry. Lord, I want to see. Okay. With which eyes? Pornographic eyes. Which eye do you want to see? With? 
you messed it up with the things you have been looking. No wonder you are not seeing clearly. When you spiritually, when God showed you John, the age of 10 like that, upside down. So you cannot even spell, talk less of telling the person I saw John. Because always you see the age down. And there's no letter that is the H is down. God, you prayed, God, open my eyes. God, open your eyes. And now you start looking at things that you are not supposed to look at. Now you see men are trees. You need a second touch. Lasciviousness is the problem of the youth. Addicted to, they were, I was telling you some time ago that even food, food, you can be, you can be addicted to food. And sometimes it looks harmless. But I told you that in the Old Testament, <laughs> glutens are killed. If you give birth to a child who eat too much, the, the Lord say, bring him out, let them stone him to death. You are not supposed to be addicted to anything. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, turn your Bible with me to the book of First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 3. So, it, manif it expresses itself in what? In our looks and what? And also, it expresses itself in uh, our gestures. Our gestures. Now, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, For the time pass of, for the time pass of our life may suffice us to have, to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. You see, when we walked in lasciviousness, last, excess of wine, revelings, banqueting, and abominable adulteries. So, he was saying that before we got to know Jesus, this was a life we were living lasciviousness but then continue look at verse 4 he said wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same essence of wrath now they have seen a difference in you now those people that we've been going to the beer bar to drink with now they look at you and they wonder what has happened to him the bible said they think it's strange something you are, you are going mad Ah, you are out of faction. Ah, the way you are dressing, cry is not. Dressing, eh? you know, unbelievers, unbelieving is sin. Eh? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disease. Sometimes they look at you, they laugh at you. Ah, now look at you dressing. But when they become born again, then they also become ashamed of the way they are dressing. You know, the CS, they, they think we are getting mad. They, they wonder why are you dressing like this then when the scales fell, fall off from their eyes then they begin to see clearly that is when they know that oh it was wrong what I was doing it was wrong so Apostle Paul was saying that we used to be like them but now they are thinking it's strange that we are not running into excess with them anymore into the same excess of rot of rot They think it's strange. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, the final scripture I want us to read, we are still there. We are looking at lasciviousness. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 12, 21. He said, For I fear. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. Not 20. Okay. At least when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Apostle Paul was threatening the church. He said, I will come back again. I will not wait until the judgment day. I am coming to deal with you when I come again. Those that I have discovered that you were working on cleanness, lasciviousness, and you, are, uh, you have not repented and fornication, he said, I am going to deal with you. Praise the name of the Lord. There are certain kind of lifestyle that is not to be mentioned among saints. That's the reason why we are known as saints. A saint is somebody who has been washed from his sins. And so once you have become a saint, you don't go back to walk in sin. And so it's an error for a saint to be doing things that a sinner does. It's a big error for a saint to be walking in adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Remember, these are the fruit of an evil tree. And those that do this cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. I pray that God will open your eyes that you will understand what we have learned tonight. Don't take it for granted. You know, some of us will become so familiar with God. And so, now God is my friend. Uh, I, he won't mind. He won't mind. <laughs> God doesn't have friends like that. Too. Those that God calls friends, they work in perfection. I've taught you that already. It is a level of perfection that brings you to a place of friendship with God. Bible says after, before Enoch left, he left a testimony that he did what? He pleased God. So, don't be familiar with God. God does not joke with his promise. Amen. If you know you are going to a place that is tempting you, stop. Jesus said, look, it is better to cut off your right hand if it's disturbing you and go to heaven without one hand than to go to hell with both hands. If you are going to a place and you know they are driving you into sin, stop. Amen. Amen. Well, put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Well, this is our teaching service. How many of you have been blessed? Are you sure you've been blessed? Good. Sometimes we don't go fast. I, this is a pure teaching, so I have to take my time to explain things to you. But I believe that you have understanding. Amen. Well, as usual, let me take two, yes, two questions. So the first person, now, yes, our brother behind, our yeah, brother Smith, yes. Daddy, yeah. Uh, please, I want to ask that uh, the children giving birth, uh, 
to out of wedlock, what happens to them? Amen. Those children, okay? Can I show you something? Do you want to know what happens to the children? Majority of the children may be saved, but those children are not godly children. Malachi chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 it said you say wherefore because the Lord had witnessed between thee and the wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dared treacherously yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. So now God was rebuking a man who is messing up. Now let's continue. He said, Did he not make one? Listen, look at it. Did he not make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit. And wherefore one? Why did he make them one? Why did he brought them together? That he might seek what? What? So. Your guess is as good as mine. If it's not a godly seed, then what is it? When they are one, they are joined together as one, they produce what? Godly seeds. If they are born out of wedlock, what do they produce? Hello? You wonder why the Atais and the Osama Belandis and the wicked people, you wonder why a demon can possess such a people. A lot of them, few of them escape and they become great people. But majority of them become dangerous. So there is a godly seed. That is why God brings them. Let, let's read it again. And did and, and did not he make one? Now go back to verse 14. I want to show you something. Go back to 14. Yet he said, Wherefore, because the Lord had been witnesses between thee and what? Everybody say wife, not side chick. Wife of thy youth. Against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy what companion, and the what you see the wife again, the wife of thy covenant. Now he's going to tell you why he gave you a wife. Then he said, moving in verse four, to fifteen, and and did and did not he make one? Yet had he the residues of the spirit, and wherefore one? Why did he brought you together? He joined you together in marriage. Because that he might seek what? A godly seed. God has to go through trouble to bring two people together in order to produce a godly seed. And if you went out of wedlock, guess what you will produce? Have I answered you? Okay, put your hands together for No, no it's okay. Uh, let another question. I'll give you opportunity. If nobody, normally it's two questions that we ask. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah.
that it please uh, my question is in two folds. Your question is it's in two folds. So you are very wise. You know we are only taking one question. <laughs> and you are giving me two twins. Okay. Uh, I think uh, the scripture we read in the book of First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that commit fornication sin it against his own body. I think when you were teaching us, you taught the uh, about adultery. And then you move on to fornication. And looking at this particular scripture, I want to know where is the standpoint of adultery? Adultery is a sin against the covenant. And fornication is a sin directly against your body. Which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I think when you were to ministry, you, uh, you, you said rape. I said? You, you, you pronounce it like rape. I'm talking about rape. For rape. example, rape. Yeah, okay. Rape. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, with rape, uh, there are two parties involved. Well, let me just put it that way. So with these two people involved, uh, humanly speaking, one will be, uh, we will say that one is at fault and the other one. One is, is the aggressor. Yes. Uh, so in this case, what happened to the one who was a victim who is a victim yes. is that what you're asking okay you ask your questions yes mm-hmm. and that is my question so i want to know the standpoint of those two people in terms of judgment oh but why why tempting me now you know it already and you are asking me let me ask you what is the standpoint uh, you see like you see the way um, let's say when this sexual intercourse is involved a covenant to be established so even though the, the standpoint is that the one uh, the one who uh, the aggressor oh yeah you will be judged but the other one will not be judged i don't know so, yeah, so so you know the answer yeah i know yes uh, yes and you are asking me but, or you want a confirmation no but for the the, the covenant aspect that is what I'm for in fornication there's no covenant okay okay well, okay, I understand. Because somebody can even rape a married person. Okay? A rapist is a rapist. Is that okay? And the law deals with the rapist. Even physical laws. Not the victim. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Give, me the mic- give her the microphone. Maybe she wants to add some clarity to it. Okay. Please put, put it on for her. Hello. Yeah. I think, um, you see, in the Bible it says that when two people sleep together, like, know you not that you are married, like, you become joined together with the person, the person mm. you went to sleep with. Mm. Is that not what you are talking about? No, that's not what he's talking about. I think he knows the answer. What he's talking about is that two and people are involved. Whoever you sleep with, automatically you create a covenant. Is that not it? He's happy. Okay, give it to him. Let him try to clarify. I know what he's talking about. He's talking of two people involved here. Why do we condemn only one person? Yes. Is that what you are saying? Yes. Yes. We've got the victim too. It's also a, 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 a culprit. Is that what you are trying to say? Exactly. How? How on earth? If somebody attacks you in your, your room, and, and, and how, how can you become a culprit? 
No. Somebody, yes, corporate. Somebody whom you, 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 you agree to. It's not by agreement. It's not by consent. Somebody forced you, rape you. It's not by consent. You are a victim. Okay? And physical law will even uh, 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 sympathize with you. Is that okay? The same thing that happens to spiritual law. That aggressor is judged. So what about those who are minor, who are ignorant, and, and they becomes a victim? Hey. For the first time, I'm getting confused about your questions. But now, listen carefully. Simple and short. When an aggressor attacks somebody who is a rapist and rapes the person, he is judged. The person who is raped is not judged. Because it was not by... You know, God judges us by our motive. Because actions can, can be deceptive. So God, that's why God is the only righteous judge. He doesn't judge only by actions. You may be condemning somebody today, but God may not condemn him because God knows the motive by which an action is, is done. I hope you understand that. Okay, but then what God tells us, what the Bible tells us is that God judges the motive of men. So if she, she if sometimes, yes, she may be guilty, depending on what, what God finds out. But God judged by the motive. Is that okay? God bless you richly. Okay. I, I'll give you the last opportunity. Yes, Smith. Okay, you have a question behind. Okay, Smith. Give, give, it, give it to her. Because you've asked your question already. Okay. So you see me in Chemis, Smith. You see me in Chemis. Um, Daddy, please. Um, the Bible says that children are inheritance from God. So why is it that if you are born out of wedlock? Like ah, you are in the, she's in the spirit, eh? She's going to she's asking your question. Why is it that when you are born out of wedlock, like it becomes a strange, like an evil seed? Since if God is saying that children are inheritance from God. Okay, now let's think carefully. The parents are responsible for the upbringing of their children. It's a responsibility on the shoulder of every parent to make sure they command their children, they raise them and bring them uh, uh, in the admonishment of God. Now, if the woman or the one who gave birth to you is not a godly woman, I'm sorry for you. The children of fetish people are trained in a way of fetishism. It's true or false? Eh? most which which or those who are practicing magic or occult they try to raise their only few only few of them escape they become victims so don't subject your child don't open him up from demonic possession is that okay give birth to a child in a normal way so you can dedicate him to god and God will take care of him when, he will, when he's a baby up to the time he grows up than to give birth to a child who becomes an ungodly seed and it will take grace to save that child. I hope you understand that. It's normally easier when the child is dedicated to God from the beginning because whatever is dedicated to God becomes holy. 
And so it becomes something that God takes possession of it. Can you imagine if we, we are godly people, we got married, and then we give birth. Of course, automatically we dedicate it to God. And then the Holy Spirit takes over the child from infancy. But if the baby is not born in a godly way and is not dedicated to God, it's an open for demonic possession. A majority of these children, they are possessed by demons, except by divine intervention that they escaped. Most of us, we escaped. But how many? But how many of such children escapes? How many? Look at all the wicked people we see all over the world. What happened? Do they repent before they die? Not all of them repent. So to avoid that, please, godly see, don't go away. Play home game so that your children can be godly. Amen. Amen. Um, you see me in chambers. Amen. Please come be on our feet. Our time is fast spent. Some of us are going very far. And sometimes when we close late, you see now, we are closing late today. I want us to close nine exactly. That's why I normally choose two questions. Because I know questions will drag us. Please, can you lift your two hands to heaven? There are a lot of things that we need to know. I wish the whole church would be here on Tuesdays. That has been my wish. That has been my dream. Can you make it your, your vision to make sure somebody comes to the teaching service? A lot of us, we have friends. We are, we are almost, we have friends who are not here on Tuesdays. Can you, can you do your possible best to invite a friend, okay, in the church to Tuesday teaching service? If not so, we are not going to have proper balance. We are going to have people who are more knowledgeable than others, more mature than others. It will not be good, a good balance at all. Can you lift your two hands up to heaven? What you are hearing from the teaching service is also making you a steward. It's giving you responsibility. These are all mysteries that the Lord is teaching us. I want you to pray to God. First of all, thank the Lord for the things that we are learning, the new things that he's teaching us. The grace of God that has made this teaching possible. Open your mouth and begin to thank the Lord. Begin to bless his holy Lord, name. Bless you. Just begin to give him praise. Give Open your mouth. Just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank the Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Just begin to thank the Lord. Begin to thank the Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you praise.